uh, do it, especially the traveling. Travel, first off, go, uh, for starters, go to another city. If you live in San Antonio, go to Austin, you know? <laughs> go, go, go to another place first before you start traveling abroad and just so you could get like, okay, this is a different place. All right, I got it. I, I, you know, I think I got the hang of this. Go experience something. And with art, um, get out there and do it. The same thing, if you want to draw something or you want to go to a Comic-Con and, you know, test your might and try to sell your stuff, go ahead, go do it. That was AJ Moore. And welcome back to Tetua with Benjamin Morse. Welcome back to the show. I hope everyone is doing well and everyone is starting to enjoy summertime. I know that things are starting to lift a little bit. Uh, people are starting to get a little bit more predictability and clarity in their lives. I hope you are, in fact, one of those people that uh, if you are in the uh, Northern Hemisphere and if you're really starting to enjoy summer, you're you're out there uh, safely and just enjoying uh, what this world has been able to give to us, especially uh, after the last 18 months. I think we all really need to hit that reset button. Uh, so thanks for joining again uh, for this conversation and, and this show. I'm so grateful to have you here. And I'm also excited to introduce today's guest, uh, who is none other than A.J. Moore. AJ is an amazingly talented artist, uh, evidenced by his Instagram channel. If you go poke around, uh, he is really, really talented at both digital and also theatrical arts, which we will get into in just a little bit, uh, along with traditional media. Uh, he is the host of a YouTube nature show that he produces in tandem with his brother, Tony, called It's Nature, Y'all. And I wish I could do the Texas accent a little bit better than that, but don't worry, AJ will bring the noise here in a little bit when he talks about his show. Uh, in this conversation, we explore AJ's love for nature and exploration in general and how having a compassionate artistic eye has helped him identify what engenders for fulfillment and meaning within his own life. Uh, he has traveled across the globe for artistic pursuit, and it is really through this lens that he unpacks these many layers of stories and transformation brought about by his connection to his fans in all these different countries and the people that he meets on these various trips. Uh, we also talk about what it's like to uh, be a black man traveling uh, specifically within the genre of art that he creates and uh, the, the various cultures that he has the opportunity to go and share his art in and kind of be a part of that community for a few days. Uh, we talk about uh, what life was like growing up in, in San Antonio, Texas, and really what uh, helped AJ get into art and really what helped him endure and stay within that space to ultimately create a career of it. Um, so... Without further ado, I'm super excited to introduce AJ Moore. Enjoy this episode. 
All right. Hey, AJ, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got to say, I'm really excited to talk to another artist on the show. I've already had a couple, uh, but you know, you're definitely one of the more multifaceted artists that I've uh, had a chance to talk to in this medium. So I'm excited to dive into your story today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to share it. I was, uh, I was scanning through your Instagram a little bit earlier and Mm -hmm. I was just amazed with not only the quality of art that you're putting out to the world, but I was, I was going through kind of chuckling. You've got, you know, childish Gambino hanging out with LeBron James and a bunch of professional wrestlers. (laughs) And then there's like Brandon Frazier from the mummy. And, uh, this is all kind of like next to like a few, like just beautiful (laughs) nature landscapes and, and everything. And I'm just, you're, you're an awesome artist, man. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I was I was doing a lot of conventions, so I was drawing all kinds of things. And then once the pandemic started, that's when the nature stuff started. Drawing yeah, the, the landscapes. Yeah, and also your show. I I also want to just give you on the top of this a congratulations for the thousands of views that you've had uh, on your your YouTube show. It's nature, y'all, which is uh, super. <laughs> fantastic it's really engaging and i've i really enjoyed going through and watching it myself thank you that's pretty cool well we'll have to dive into all of that um kind of go through that that story but uh maybe kind of on on the top end here uh do you want to talk a little bit about you know what kind of art you do and uh kind of where where those lines are drawn uh yeah um well i mean i do a whole bunch of different types of art now um from landscapes to portraits to um fan art Uh, that's why you see a lot of the superhero and the wrestling stuff um yeah caricaturing cartooning uh you name it i pretty much do it that's awesome man and your art is really what allowed you to travel was it so was your art what allowed you to travel or did you travel because of your art? <laughs> what, how did those two things go together? Well, it's actually both. Um, my art led me to traveling and I also traveled because of my art. The first place I ever went was because of art. It was in high school. I went to a vase competition. Uh, it was That stands for Visual Arts sculptures and something (laughs) but they took us to Dallas um, and that was the first place I'd ever I'd ever been uh, for anything and that was all because of art and everything else uh, all the other traveling after that was art related as well that's Uh, very cool so So yeah either one yeah no that's awesome was that so you're originally from Illinois. Did you travel down to Dallas from Illinois or was that when you were living in San Antonio? Well, uh, that was when I was living in San Antonio. I went to high school here. Okay, cool. That's awesome. And that was like your first excursion outside of San Antonio, eh? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's very cool. Did you, so like, what was that experience like, like getting, getting out? Were you like super focused on like the art? Were you just hanging with your friends or, you know, what, what was it like to go to a new place? Um, didn't really have any friends. So everything was new. It was new. And and I was really young then anyway. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just like, okay, uh, here we are. I, mean, I, I really didn't have a focus, but uh, being a being a nerdy kid back then was a lot different than being a nerdy kid now. Um, as in, being a nerd wasn't cool. There wasn't nerd movies, you know, nerd culture, and it's cool to be this. I mean, if you were walking around in a Looney Tunes shirt, you would catch a beat down. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. Uh, so it, it was different. So I didn't have friends like that. And I didn't have a focus because I just liked to draw. It was just something that I did. So, um, yeah, yeah, that was it, man. Just just drawing just because I liked it. And friends kind of came as they came, came and went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the the like concept of a nerd uh and and like that like you mentioned the nerd culture and kind of the glorification of that that persona and that stereotype i think has evolved immensely uh probably since you were back in high school um definitely that's yeah that's a really interesting point too um so how did you get so how did you get involved in drawing then before before you end up going to Dallas and, and kind of uh, traveling a little bit through that medium, like what what got you involved in that side? Cartoons. Cartoons got me drawn. Um, first time I saw cartoons, you know, Tom and Jerry, Bugs Bunny, uh, all that stuff. I was like, oh, you know, I want to draw it. And we had books as well, like coloring books and uh, comic books and stuff in the paper. And I would try to draw stuff out of that. And, uh, you know, one thing led to the other. That's very cool. Did you like, so you mentioned a couple of like the classics there. Did you have like a, were you just kind of trying to copy it first or like what, what was your process like when you were younger? Well, see, um, you know, a lot of, you know, I've heard artists say you should try like, copying stuff but when I started I was just drawing it I was just trying to draw them doing something that I wanted them doing like I didn't want to draw you know the cover of you know the Ninja Turtle book I wanted to draw them doing something that I wanted them doing so um, so I would try to force myself to draw them differently now when I moved up a notch to like Marvel characters like drawing Venom and Spider-Man, the first couple rounds of those, I was trying to emulate what I saw. I was trying to draw the exact same pose if I could. Um, and also because people were paying me. <laughs> like kids were like paying me like 50 cent or a dollar or something. Hey, could you draw what? Spider-Man like that? And like, yeah, so I had to draw it that way. Um, right. So, yeah. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So you were you were just like hustling and just drawing on the side for some some lunch money. <laughs> yeah, well, anything I could get, you know, any any kind of 
not just lunch money, man. I needed it for stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. thought. How how old were you when you were uh, first like drawing for commission? <laughs> uh, maybe fourth grade. God, yeah, fourth amazing. grade. I don't know what age that is, but fourth grade for sure, because they had a um, like a draw. Uh, well, it was like a career day, school day, or whatever, to where you um have your own little business. You know, it was supposed to be teaching us about business. So we have business, and what's your business? And some people were selling cupcakes, and I was like, well, shoot. I'm going to draw stuff. So I started and I went home that night and started drawing stuff from like popular movies and comics and um, came back the next day with like a stack of drawings and people were buying them and I made like 20 bucks. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. Fourth grade. And, and look at you now. It's uh, just like the, the same thing. You're just you're just going to different shows now, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I used to. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, pre-pandemic. Yeah, pre-pandemic. <laughs> cool, man. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about, like, San Antonio? Like, I, I've been to Texas uh, a number mm -hmm. of times. Uh, I don't know a lot about San Antonio, though. Can you tell me a little bit more what it was like going to high school there and, and growing up? Yeah, well, I mean, San Antonio was great uh, for me. Uh, culturally, it was, it was a lot different um, from coming from up north. Uh, but I mean, once once I uh, got settled, you know, it was cool. I mean, it was humid as heck. So uh, <laughs> I wouldn't advise making your first trip down here in the summertime. <laughs> but uh, there was a whole bunch of critters outside. Like it was, you know, there was a lot of lizards. And I love to catch those kind of things and turtles. And, um, and, and San Antonio was very uh very slow paced so so I grew up in that very um, slow paced uh, very friendly atmosphere you know most of the people were friendly it wasn't like a, um, you know it wasn't like being in a city where you gotta you know you, there's always hon uh, cars honking and uh, you know you know everything that comes with the city. Now we didn't live in yeah, in yeah, the yeah. in the boonies or nothing like that, but San Antonio was just very mellow. It was very very especially then. Um, but it, it was super super mellow, and it was it was hard a hard transition uh, as a kid. You know, I mean, I had never heard Spanish before uh, until I came here. I mean, there was a lot of firsts. I mean, because I wasn't exposed to many different uh, many different types of people ethnically either. So uh, everything was everything was like, whoa, okay, there's a whole bunch of different people out there. <laughs> so yeah, San Antonio was great. How old were you when you man. moved down? Oh, heck, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure. I know I was here at five and six. So, um, yeah, somewhere. Do you, much, do you have much memory of like Illinois or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, I have, I have a lot of memories of it. <laughs> um, uh, one that I can share is is this. It was just too cold. It was very cold, <laughs> and uh, mom used to take us down to Lake Michigan, and um, and it was like always these little fish in the in the water, you know, that you could catch in like a milk jug and. Uh, I mean, it was just, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I'm laughing because like having lived in Michigan for, for a number of years like that, that like, you know, Illinois, Michigan, that weather, especially with the lake effect is, is rough, man. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of cold at all. That's why I like it here where the winters are like two days. So I love that you said when you when you moved down to San Antonio, you started noticing all the all the critters and, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of nature side of things. Have you always been uh, involved in nature? Have you always been kind of aware and interested in everything around you? Yeah. Yeah, man, I was. Um, yeah, I, I was aware of things like when more so when I came down here because up up there you know I was really young and I mean like I mean in the projects you don't really see uh, nature you know what I'm saying I mean you might see a cat you I mean you might get attacked by a dog (laughs) or chased by a rat Um, but out here it, it was wild so I was aware of it and it was always around like if you were taking a uh you're, you know, taking your trash out, you know, there's like a, a possum or a raccoon out there just waiting on you to put it there. And they're literally just sitting there waiting like, OK, he's going to put that so I can get it. Um, I mean, now we have the big trash cans that the that the city comes and dumps. So, you know, those days are done. But, yeah, I mean, nature was just everywhere, man. Rivers, um, you know, creeks. Uh, all types of things, man. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I find it really interesting that like you you just jump into that space, especially if you didn't necessarily have that exposure mm-hmm. back in Illinois. Where in Illinois? Uh, we live in Heights. It's um, I see. It's just south of Chicago, the main city. You know. Um. In the area where I see Robbins and Harvey, so I mean it was right in that that area. Um, yeah, yeah. I said I went I went back to the hospital where I was born, like uh, maybe three years ago, when I did a show there. I just drove by it, like, hey, that's where it started. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's where it all began. Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. So we're like, how did, like, I'm trying to, to put it together, trying to think about how you got interested in, in nature too, right? Like, do, do you have any siblings? Did you, were your parents like, you know, it sounds like you, you said your mom took you down to Lake Michigan. Right. Was it some exposure that you had early on? Well, uh, I believe so. Um, from the, the trips to the lake and, I think I think a lot of it was just happenstance, like just being here and not living where there's a whole bunch of concrete all the time. 
Um, and I wasn't afraid of, of things like that, like critters and stuff. I wasn't afraid of them. I was more curious about them. And my brother, like my younger brother, we used to go out and, and find stuff. Um, and I think the thing that pushed it pushed it even more was when I had a, a pet, you know, a pet lizard and a pet turtle. So it was like, okay, I have this turtle now and um, this thing has to eat. <laughs> so I had to figure out what it ate. I found out what type it was and where they're from. And, and then like going to the library all the time, because, you know, that was before the internet, you know, young people out there. <laughs> so I went yeah. to the, to the books and there was these incredible animal books, man. I would check them out as many as they would let me check out. And, um, because I thought that was just, Oh, this is a turtle. I didn't know there was, you know, like over 200 different species of them. Um, and, you know, it was just kept learning and kept learning and learning about other animals that wasn't in my area, like whales and stuff like that. I was always reading that kind of stuff, more so than comics. Um, I, mean, I rarely read comics. I just looked at the pictures mostly. Um, but the animal stuff, I would read it top to bottom. I just loved it. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're you're just a seeker and you just, you know, I, I have memories similarly like going to the library because, yes, uh, a library is a building where uh, you can go check out books for everyone that uh, is of <laughs> younger generations. Um, yeah, I, I definitely have memories of, of having those like those types of books. My parents had a whole bunch of Nat Geo mm. magazines, like dating way back. Yes. And I, I remember flipping through those and just like really loving it. And part of it was like, obviously the nature side of it. The other part of it was the travel dimensions, right? So like you said, seeing an animal that you can't, obviously you can't imagine sitting in San Antonio or for me, like in, in Fort Collins and Colorado, but I see like these elephants or I see mm -hmm. like these beautiful whales, like you mentioned, and yes. you just start realizing that this world is so much bigger than the possum waiting for your trash. Right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I did the same thing. Like we would get these Nat Geo books that they were, you know, they would sit them out by the trash places were like, okay, we have too many. And, you know, I would get those and, try to look through them and then I would also look for animal books at the barber shop when we would go to get our get our hair cut but uh mostly they had ebony and jet magazines and sports illustrated but I would take those too <laughs> but um but all the animal stuff like uh I mean I would find out about so many different parts I mean so many things in the world like people that looked different because I didn't know that stuff and I know it 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 may sound weird, but I didn't know like there was Indian people, like people from India. I didn't know that. I had never met anyone from there. I'd never seen anyone like that. Um, the only other people that I had seen were, um, you know, Asian. And, and I didn't see them until I went to school. But looking in books, I see there's people in Tibet. I see, I mean, because 
you know, you know, when you're a kid, it's just like, okay, China. Especially back then, I, I didn't know. It was just like China and um, the, the one of the channels we had had kung fu movies. So I was ignorant. And then those books helped me, you know, educate myself on, wow, there's a ton of people. There's Bushmen, there, you know, there, there's Pygmies, there's all types of African tribes, Maasai. You know, there's, there's people from a place called Ireland. I mean, I, I, I had no idea until I started looking up and, and I was looking up what animals were in those areas as well. Animals and art. Like, what do they draw? What do they, you know, how do they get down? What do they eat? You know, <laughs> like, man, I want to go there. Yeah, you said it sounds like you wanted to learn everything about everywhere. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That is very cool. I, you know, I'm, I'm like hearing you talk and I'm just reflecting that it is just so not the norm in the United States to, to think about those things even today. Mm hmm or to care, frankly, about what's going on on the other side of the world, like what, what you know, folks in, in China are doing or in Tibet, like you mentioned, or in Ireland, like the, the mm-hmm. U.S. is quite a bubble in many ways. Uh, and, and I think, you know, especially over the past, you know, four years, we've, we've seen like the exceptionalism and the, the kind of air quotes patriotism and, and all <laughs> yeah. of like the the fraught kind of systemic racism arise in our country in a way that just makes me really ashamed of a lot of the, the ways that Americans interact with the world and think about the world around them, right? And I've thought a lot about yeah. this when I've been traveling abroad, when I've lived in different countries. And I know you and I talked a little bit about this when you travel to another country you're now kind of the de facto representative of the United States, right? And and you might be talking to someone that's never met an American before, right? Um, let alone, you know, somebody that has like your background, your identity, like you're, you're this one person that, again, is uh, kind of representing an entire country in a way, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very true. And, um, you know, I found it interesting in my travels that, um, travels abroad that the way people view us um, a lot of it a lot of it is very favorable it's like oh American oh you know you're cool and then some places it's totally the opposite it's like oh I cannot stand you guys I remember meeting an Italian girl and and you know I mean she she was trying her best to you know <laughs> trying her best to, to, to speak English to me so I could understand. <laughs> uh, poor thing. And I mean, I couldn't speak any Italian. So uh, it, it, was a, it, it was a conversation going south. But anyway, um, she was saying she thought all Americans were just goofy and silly. She had never met anyone that was actually serious and that cared about stuff. And I was like, wow, because she was well-traveled. She had been all over Europe and Asia and Africa, but, you know, all the Americans she met on her travels, she was trying to say that they were very privileged and they didn't want to do anything that wasn't uh, American, you know, like, oh, 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 let's find a McDonald's somewhere. You know, it's like, wait, what? We're in, you know, 
you know, we're in Vienna. Why are we looking for Mickey D's? Uh, uh, I remember being on a train. This was somewhere in Rome, somewhere outside of Rome. I don't know. And this guy comes up to me with a <laughs> with a southern accent. He's like, about damn time I found an American to talk to. He just, I mean, because I clearly looked American, you know, because. Just called you out. <laughs> yeah, he did. And he was happy. And I was like. Now this guy, he looks like the kind of guy that, <laughs> and I'm and I'm being totally judgmental here, but it is what it is. He he in America, this same guy probably wouldn't even talk to me here. But over there, we were like the best of buddies because I was the only thing he could relate to, and he wasn't trying to do anything else. All the food was nasty and. They don't do pizza right. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> we're in another country. Don't you realize that? So, uh, it, it, and not everyone is like that, but it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, the way, the way the world perceives us and the way people do and then the way we perceive the other world, like I would really like for people to, uh, get, if they get an opportunity to travel somewhere, travel somewhere other than your country and just to see how how things are you know it's just very different very different yeah i i would double click on that advice aj um i think that obviously um getting outside of of where you're from and like having those experiences with the random guy on the train that you're not super pumped to be talking to because uh, he's he's not exactly representing the the ethos of the United States that you you would yeah. like to portray uh, but you get that yeah. opportunity to see and experience things like that which I think holds up such an important mirror mm-hmm. to not only ourselves but also our country. Uh, our identity, like who we are when we're in these different physical spaces. Like what does it mean to be a white guy traveling through, you know, this X country, right? And what Mm -hmm. does that mean versus if, if you're an Asian American or an African American or like what, how are you perceived differently? And having those experiences, I think really is one of the best opportunities that you can have, right? It, It really, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Yeah, it is, man. Because uh, you know the you know the world perceives uh, someone someone black. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stereotypical things we could think of of how the world perceives us. But in in a lot of my travels abroad, you know, I was I'm used to one thing because I grew up here. Uh, I'm used to harass, being harassed. I'm used to people being afraid of me. Uh, I'm used to people not wanting to approach me or being uneasy if I'm in the elevator with them. There, I didn't, I didn't feel it. You know, I'm sitting out there at like one in the morning with some African dudes, and they were, uh, their complexion was darker than mine. We're just out there just talking. Police officer is coming through. Didn't even didn't even look at us twice. Didn't even look. He didn't even care. And they started laughing at me. They started laughing 
And and, he, and uh, one guy was like, dude, this isn't America. You don't have to worry. <laughs> They're not going to come over here and mess with you. They don't do that here. Wow. And it made me, wow. it, it was weird. Like, because I was, I was like, oh boy, here we go. Because I've been shaken down. Yeah. You're conditioned to react like that. Yeah. You know, I've been shaken down for absolutely just because he could. So I'm thinking that this is the way it is because that's the mindset I was in. That's what I was raised in. And but I'm not saying that that doesn't happen there. (laughs) But, you know, every every place has their issues. But um, it was very different and it felt good to feel like um, I was just a person. That's the thing about it, man. I, I, I think like Ben, like I think that's the thing. In America, we are individuals, right? Mm-hmm. We're individuals. We're like stars over here. Uh, you know, we want to matter. We want to be this. Oh, I did this. I tweeted that. I made this money. I did this. You know, we want to feel like some kind of importance. But like when you get out of America, you realize you're just you're just another human being out there. You know, people just like, hey, my friend, would you like to try this? I'm like, me? Yeah, 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 try it. I just made this coffee. Or, you know, it it was like nothing. I didn't feel like I had to be anything. I didn't have to live up to anything. It was just, I was just another dude. That's it. I come in a store. No, I walk past women. They don't grab their purse. I was just another dude. And it felt great. It felt great. Man. Yeah, you're you're so right about that. Um, you know, it, it it really, you know, I think of of my travels, and I I obviously have very different experiences being a white guy, um, and and definitely don't have uh, as much of of those challenges definitely in the U.S. and and abroad as well. I mean, I I think there's a lot of privilege in my background, and and consistently when I travel, I'm. I'm very aware of it, mm-hmm. but I, I will say one of the things that that is so apparent for me is that individualism that you just mentioned. And when I'm in other countries, you know, I think I, I always take Ethiopia as my one of my first examples, mm-hmm. mostly because I lived there for so long. But no matter where I went, I was always invited in for coffee, for food, mm-hmm. for this, for that, and it was a very community feel. And it wasn't just me; it was all of the Peace Corps volunteers that were there was really everybody. And you could just see it happening. Whereas in the States, it's like, I want my own yard with my own fence and I don't want to talk to my neighbors and I'm going to put no soliciting signs on my door and I'm going to call the cops. If you do anything like, you know, to encroach on my, my rights. And we're just, we're so combative where like the, the, I feel like the, the underlying values of our country are just tainted in so many ways and people just have things all sorts of mixed up, you know? Wow. Yeah. I I think people just are, they spend too much time being conditioned and focusing on the wrong thing. And the only reason why I can see that now is because I live something other than, you know, what they've lived. Um, So a lot of them are just conditioned because I've even had people that say, okay, okay, when you travel, just, you know, you know, just don't say you're American, say you're Canadian. 
And I'm like, for that one as well. I'm like, I'm not ashamed of being American. I like it. I like it. I know there's a lot of things that, you know, that you can point at, <laughs> especially being being a person of color here. You can say a lot of things negative, but I don't have any problem being American and I don't hide saying, oh, I'm I'm Canadian. No, I'm not. I'm American. I'm Texan, <laughs> you know, and I'll right. come show you Texas if you come here and you would probably have a different, more positive view of it. So I, I don't I don't uh, try to keep myself under what a stereotype is for something like, oh, you're an American. So you're probably this or you probably don't give a damn or you're, or you're privileged. And I know I'm privileged. I I poop in clean water. <laughs> you know, there you go. An African yeah. guy said that to me once. Um, he's like, you guys have clean water and you poop in it he's like where i'm from the water that we poop in was 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 full of poop and stuff his village needed water and here we are pooping in clean water (laughs) that you can drink yeah it's just silly yeah yeah and it's like i mean i mean mean, i'm not saying that i want sewage water sitting in my toilet but i'm just pointing that i'm very privileged and i know it Mm-hmm. I know it. Yes. And such a stark example too. It, yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we're pooping in clean water that you can drink and there's people that are, you know, dying of thirst and droughts and everything. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, man, life is, life is good here in America. I mean, there's some, there's some things we got to iron out, but I'll never go somewhere else and, and be ashamed. Now I am ashamed of things that happen. I am ashamed of that, but I'm not ashamed of where I come from because that's what birthed me. And if I'm any kind of good on this planet, then the place that I came from had to have some good in it, too. And yeah, yeah, I'm just going to just stick with that. Yeah, and I think that like, you know, you... You mentioned individualism, uh, and I think there's also like a, a positive spin on that, where we are all unique and we're mm-hmm. all living out our own our own best life and right. our our own most authentic version of ourselves. Like we're trying to aspire to that mm-hmm. on a daily basis, and I think that when you come at it from that perspective and you realize that you know we're all out here trying to do the best we can mm-hmm. being as grateful as you possibly can for the things that you do have but opening up that aperture with empathy and with compassion and understanding that you know not everyone is going to be on that on the same page right there's there's so many of us man there's and like <laughs> yeah. you said in the beginning of the conversation with with Nat Geo like you you open up a, a magazine and you see a country that you've maybe never heard of before mm-hmm. and then you think about that country and like there are lots of people that live in that country one of the things that when i was living in ethiopia people would ask me like well what do you eat like how do you get food mm-hmm. and their mental model goes back to you know the famines back in the 70s and the 80s and you know that's what they're stuck on and i i would always say well there's about 100 million people here and i eat the same thing that they all eat like there's plenty (laughs) of food for us you know it's and 
it's one of those things that, of course, they're not going to know that, right? They would have mm-hmm. no reference to that. Uh, and it's trying to figure out when the best opportunity like arises to then actually sit down and have that conversation with somebody. And, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody is actually willing to sit down and learn about a place. Right. And I think that part of the challenge is people aren't always open to sitting down and, Hey, tell me all about Ethiopia or tell me about Korea. Right. I heard you live there for a while. Like mm-hmm. people don't really want the slideshow, right? They, right. they want the, they want the tweet or the, the, the short version of it. Uh, and then they can't relate. So there's such a big gap between the experiences that you had and where they're at. Right. Which is a, a totally different challenge. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and then a lot of people they they're so stuck on their own stuff is and and it gives them uh i guess an out an out from ever having to empathize with anyone because if if i have the viewpoint of i don't like this i really don't want to entertain anybody else's opinion otherwise and once you put yourself in concrete like that and you don't want to hear nothing else, you know, empathy just goes out. It's just gone. And, and a lot of people that I that I've discovered over the years that they don't empathize very well because they're just so in tune to their own stuff. Uh, a lot of superficial stuff at that. And they're just not empathizing well. And I think traveling can help some, but not all. Some people are still going to be like this sucks i hate it. i mean i've met people out there like look at this money this is monopoly money this place sucks i can't wait to get back home i i'm just like wow i mean i'm having a t- I'm, I'm sitting out in front of the the coliseum you know and there's people out there complaining i'm like don't you see how good we got it there's no bombs being dropped on us this is great <laughs> You know, you have such a positive outlook on life, AJ, and I, I so appreciate it. It's thank you. It's, it's really refreshing. Uh, and I, I can hear it in your stories and in your voice and just kind of your your perception that you take. Uh, it's very cool. I'd love to I'd love to talk about your trips as an artist, like, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you became I mean, would you you consider yourself a professional artist? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when did you get into that and what, what were those first couple of trips like? Like, where did you go? Like what, what was the level of hustle involved? Like, what were you thinking? Okay. (laughs) Uh, first trip for the art and comic industry stuff. Um, my brother and I, we wrote a comic called the super newts and we just got it printed and we got a table at New York Comic Con. This was about ten years ago, and they—I uh, mean, I mean—we didn't even have a sign. We would just had some comics on a table, and uh, that was it. Um, and we just—I mean—we sold them all. And it, it, it was—it was different because a lot of people were like, "Well, I don't know what that is," and. You know, it's a kid's thing, but my kids only like what's on Nickelodeon. And, you know, I don't want them reading anything else. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, you know, it was an uphill battle. And and then other shows where I started drawing stuff, 
you know, people wanted all kinds of things and you deal with all types of people. And <laughs> I mean, it's all, oh man, it was just a whole ball of yarn with multi different colors, man. It was, whoo, Comic Con is a whole world all of itself. You know, it's like I've never been. I would love to go someday. It, yes, it, it, man. I went to San Diego Comic Con, New York, Denver, Salt Lake City, uh, Comic Con in Seattle. I mean, in Florida, I've been to like maybe 30 other 50 states doing Comic Cons. Um, Rhode Island, you know, it, it's been, yeah, it, it's wild, man. It's wild. And that's like your, so these, these types of conventions are your, that's like your main place to go and sell your art or like, what is, what does that look like? Yes, that was the, that was the main place. Um, because you could try this online stuff, but online, uh, online doesn't really work that well for me because there's no impulse buying. Um, when I see something on Amazon, I know I have time. I know I do. But when you're at that Comic-Con, you're looking at your watch. Well, not your watch, but your phone. Like, okay, this this thing closes in 30 minutes. And this is Sunday. Do I really want that drawing? or Because that's it. You know? So there's a lot of impulse buying. And you just saw something and you're like, oh, I want that. How much? Okay. And then they, they just buy it right then and there. But online, you're not going to do it. So the conventions... They put you face to face with your demographic and, you know, people with with money looking to buy those things. So, I mean, you can't I mean, you can't ask for a better setup. Um, I mean, I mean, if only it worked that smoothly, but I mean, but the setup is great. Yeah. So. Yeah, you've been all over the place with that. That's yes. that's really exciting. Do you usually travel solo or yeah. does your brother go with you sometimes? Well, 90% of the time I'm solo. Yeah, because my brother, uh, he works. And I mean, on, on the on the shows in Texas, you know, we'll do those together. My brother will come, my mom will come. Sometimes my, even my older brother will come. Um, which is a which is a, a rare a rarity. Now he goes to comic cons, but he doesn't come to help me help me at my table. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I mean, he goes to enjoy them. only for the local shows. Yeah. 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 And that's my older brother. Now my young younger brother will help me at the table, and he'll help me sell stuff. But my older brother's there for the fun. He's not interested in anything else. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun though. So I don't, I don't really blame him, but he's got to have your back a little bit every now and then, you know? <laughs> yeah. Every, well, I mean, okay. In in fairness, he'll be like, okay, okay. It's tear down time. What, you know, you know, what do you need me to carry? So I'm like, all right, yeah, carry this, the heaviest thing. There you go. Except for he, uh, he impulse buys a whole bunch of stuff so he can't actually help you. Right. <laughs> right. Right. He impulse buys a lot because he saves up for it. You know, he's like, I'm going to meet this person and this person and that person. I'm looking for a, a Venom shirt and a Spider-Man hat and, and the Hulk socks. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so he comes prepared um, to do That's damage. Awesome. <clears throat> so tell me about the the international travel that you've done through art. Like oh, I know wow. you've mentioned 
uh, Europe a bit. Yes. I know you've been to Australia. Yeah, Australia. Let's go there. Australia was nice. Yes, do that. Uh, I did a show in Melbourne, Australia, and um, I was one of the guest artists there. It, it was called the AMC Expo, which is no longer around, which is sad. Um, and that's where I met Tawny Katane. Uh, rest in peace. She just recently died. Um, the actress slash model um, that danced on the hood of White Snake's car, y'all. Go look it up. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I, I met her out there and that took us to this this wildlife place and, um, you know, we fed kangaroos and pet koalas and uh, but the art scene was it, it was a lot like here it, it was a lot like here but less jaded people were still excited there uh, excited to purchase things here uh, a lot of the purchasing excitement has died off because now when I go to comic cons here it's like um, there's maybe 5% if that is people that that have never been. Everyone else has been to several. So right, they're used right. to it. I guess like, ah, look at that. Look at that art. Who cares? But when I was overseas, it was like, oh my God. You know, there was people who never seen this stuff before like that. Um, you know, they were losing their minds. And I'm like, okay. And then, you know, everybody wants to talk to you, you know, to that thinking your accent is sexy. I'm like, oh my goodness, are you <laughs> kidding me? Um, you wear your cowboy hat when you're, oh yeah. when you're selling your stuff too? Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah, 90% of the time uh, I, I, I have Get it your on. Texas on. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> so comfortable, man. I just like, I just love wearing it. I love uh, it. I love so that. Australia was nice. And, you know, you know, I mean, you, you deal with the, you know, the whole different currency and it's cool to see the, the color, different color money <laughs> and they mm -hmm. actually have women on money <gasps> oh my goodness yeah imagine that and their money's waterproof yes that's the is. other thing right <laughs> and it's also different sizes so if you're uh, visually impaired you know what you have in your hand by the size of it australia's just way ahead of us in so many it, ways yes they are <laughs> I, I i enjoy it my my short time there and um, the art scene was was fun. It was cool talking with other artists there, going through a lot of the similar stuff and like, oh, this and what kind of markers you use. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was cool. Just, just nerding out. That's awesome. Yeah. So you also spent some time in the UK yes. and in Europe as well. Yeah, the UK was UK was cool. Um, you know, my brother Rich lives out there. And um, so I go visit him and then we do the convention there. Uh, I've probably done five UK conventions. And then in uh, Germany, Germany, I did one a convention in Berlin. Um, but the UK, I mean, how was that? Uh, well, shout out to all my UK fans because they were awesome. They were awesome. They they just showed me a lot of love and uh, really funny and polite as well. <laughs> and um, now Germany, Germany was was a whole different ball game because um, very very kind but very um, conservative, very quiet. 
uh, I noticed very shy um, and they uh, you know they love the art and stuff and and I guess because a lot of them English is was their second language so I don't know how comfortable they were with speaking German so they I mean speaking English so they, they, they were just speaking German and I'm over here on my phone trying to translate so I could say it back to them. But man, it was a challenge for me because I couldn't speak the language. And um, a lot of them weren't speaking English. And I don't think they, I don't really think they could, the people that I encountered, because everybody was speaking German. <laughs> like, it was like, it was little leeway at all. So by the end of that trip, you know, I was like, I was saying stuff like, because I'm like, man, I can't even eat here. I can't eat. I go up to, you know, get a schnitzel and everything's in German. I'm looking at the sign like, shoot, man, I don't know. And the guy's asking me in German, what did I want? And I'm like, dude, I don't know what I want. I'm just pointing that stuff like a dummy. Yep. And, and then by the, <laughs> I had similar experiences. Yeah, I mean, you don't know what the heck you're doing. And and so by the end of that trip, I came back to that stand and and uh, and I was able to tell the guy what I wanted. He's like, oh, yes, you got it. I'm like, dude, you knew English all this time and you were giving me a hard uh, time, you yeah. jerk. I know. Like, listen, it's Berlin. Like, of course, you know, English. get it together, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, man, like I've been here four days. And it's just like, but it was great. I mean, you know, I, I I got some pieces moved out there and they really liked my work. And I have some uh, life, lifelong German fans now. So shout out to people in Germany. Yeah. And Canada, too. I'm not forgetting Canada because I loved it out there, too. Where'd you go in Canada? Let's see, I went to, um, I was in Calgary and... I went out to Saskatchewan, uh, Regina, which is one of those small places that people are like, why would you go there? Why would you ever go there? <laughs> I'm like, it was it was nice, you know? I, I enjoyed it. There was these giant jackrabbits out there, just, and I would, you know, I would be walking because I like to walk, I, you know? I, like, I love to walk because then I get to see more. <laughs> And these giant jackrabbits, man, just walking like, well, walk hopping. They weren't hopping, but walk hopping, if that makes any sense, like right in front of me. And I'm, I was out. You can almost picture yeah, it. Yeah, I was out there trying to trying to sketch them. I think they're called the white tip jackrabbit or something like that. Um, so I was out there trying to sketch them. And yeah, Canada was nice. And uh in Calgary, it was it was really nice. I went up to the city of Banff, and Banff is gorgeous. Yeah, oh yeah. my goodness, it's a cool place. Oh my god, and I got to see a bear out there. Next level. <laughs> oh my god, nice. and then uh, I drove up. I met this girl, and we went out to Drumheller, and that's where they have all the fossils. And this whole area is just it's like dinosaur fossil world. That's what it's called. And uh, there's fossils everywhere, man. It was dinosaur bones, and it was awesome. Yes, I, I must go back there. So, yeah, my Canadians, they, they were very, very polite. So the stereotype was true. 
and uh, I went. It sticks. Yes, and I went skating there, roller skating, because I love to roller skate. And um, yeah, that it, it was great. It was great, and I love Canada. You're such a well-traveled person, and what I really love about your stories is I think in every single story, uh, as we're talking about art, you mentioned the wildlife or the animals that, that you saw. And that's, I think a really good segue into your, your nature show that you have. Uh, and really that, that side of you, like I said, there's like, I, I was so excited to talk to you because I think there are just so many different places to explore with you. And, and of course you've traveled a lot, but what I really appreciate is you seem to be really open to new experiences and really open to getting to know the people and not just the folks, the artists at the conventions, but you know, people on the street, uh, the the guy that you're trying to figure out how to negotiate German with to get your schnitzel. Um, But then beyond that, just going out and trying to explore what nature has to offer, which is just such a unique lens, I think. And like, if you don't, have that innate within you. I think it it's an extra leap to be able to go in and experience those kind of things. So, I mean, I would love to know a little bit more about a, like if you could tell everyone listening, like what your show is about, what you hope to achieve with it, but then also like what the origin stories for putting that, the, the it's, it's nature y'all uh, show together. Right. Okay. So it's nature y'all it's, it's, what it is it's nature y'all it's i'm i'm showing you nature and i want you to come away from it uh better appreciation for something uh nothing is too big or nothing is too small um everything isn't about a cute little animal or a scary little spider sometimes it's about plants sometimes it's about rock formation uh i mean there's there's so many nuances of nature that just go right by us things that have been here hundreds maybe even thousands of years and now you're the first human to even see it and i love sharing that with other people i love it like sharing like oh look at this this is a this is a carp fish or this is a snake people scared of snakes people scared of spiders but maybe i mean Okay, after it's done, you're still going to be afraid of them, but maybe you'll have a little bit more respect for them in the sense of, okay, all right, snake, we're cool. You stay over there. I'll stay over here kind of thing. You know, (laughs) I'm not going to expect you to go and pick them up and be friends with them because they are wild. (laughs) But um, yeah, that's what the show basically is, taking you on an adventure uh, with stuff that I love doing and just sharing our planet with people who don't get to see it and take nothing for granted, not even a pigeon, because people are from places where they may not see pigeons, even though they're on every continent on the planet, (laughs) maybe not in Antarctica, but they're everywhere. But that doesn't mean everyone gets to see them. And when you do see them, you may not know what they are. So um, I don't take any of it for granted. And I just want to share that with everyone. You were so good at it too. I mean, I, of course now like unpacking your story a little bit, your, your dedication to learning about nature from a really young age is, is shining through. 
uh, really strongly. I think your your passion for it is really obvious, but then the energy that you put into the show, the editing, the narration, um, even just the the videography, like you really you bring your A game, man. It's it's really entertaining. I've I've shown it to my kids <laughs> before. Uh, my my four my four year old, well, soon to be four in a, in about two weeks, and uh, and my two and a half year old, and Sweet. they love it. Like it's it's really engaging. It's super yeah, cool. My, thank you. Um, my my brother and I we don't we don't like doing anything that's half ass. If it's gonna be half ass, then we can't do it. We gotta either go all out or we're just not gonna do it. Um, you know, there's there's no point in mediocrity when it comes to something that you like doing. You might as well just do something else or just, you know, just do it and don't share it. But um, so it's man, I mean, I mean, it so much goes into just one uh, being out there for eight hours of a day, sometimes in, in terrible conditions and trying to get the shots. And, you know, you go out there in the morning saying we're going to find some snakes today. And at the end of the day, you only found birds, no snakes at all the whole day in eight hours. And you're looking for them. And then the day you go looking for beetles or something, you get nothing but snakes. You get your snake. They're Ah. everywhere on trees, underneath stuff, you know, slithering right by you, sunning themselves. I'm like, okay, I guess this is going to be a snake day. So nothing is never planned. The only thing planned is where we're going. Like, okay, we're going to this place today. I don't know what we're going to find, so bring everything. Um, it's great, man. Oh, it's great. There's something so childlike about that. Like, I think of my my two boys and how they view the world, and they they will see the iguana before I do, you know, they'll see the little lizards that run here and there, you know, they're like, we, I took them over to uh, this little kind of cliff area uh, over by the ocean today. And we're just kind of playing and they're finding all these little sea snails and they're finding, you know, all these, like there are a couple tide pools and they're looking at the little minnows mm-hmm. in there and they're, they are just hands in, like there's no inhibition. They're not afraid of anything. Right. They're, they're trying to learn. And of course you need to be aware mm-hmm. where there's actually risks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that's, of course, the job of the the parent in these situations right. to navigate. Um, but I have so many memories of growing up in Colorado and just, you know, going out and getting my hands dirty and exploring and just being out in nature. And, and just that exposure time is so incredibly important. And I feel like our kids today just aren't getting it the way that we got it when we grew, mm-hmm. we grew up. And I... I'm like very concerned about kind of the future state of things like environmental education and uh, trying to make sure that, you know, not just the the kids that are interested in it, but everybody can grow to appreciate the the little things, like you said, or the really beautiful animals and, and insects, but everything kind of in the holistic way that you yeah, described. Man. Uh, it, it, yeah, because like it's nature, y'all, the whole thing, the whole... Uh, heart and soul of it started when we were kids catching turtles and lizards and it like that's why it has like a childlike thing to it because that's when we started engaging that kind of stuff when we were children Uh, so it's just almost like reliving it 
reliving it and sharing it with the world now other than rather than just each other um because i mean i mean we would always make character voices for the stuff um you know like like if there was two puppies we would get them even though this is mean but we would mash them together and make them kiss and you know you know doing kids <laughs> stuff i mean it was always something with an animal like there was cats in the neighborhood that we used to name and those animals that that i used to give names to i put those animals in my children's book dorson deuce those are the characters in that book like the animals that i used to encounter um as a kid so this is nature y'all stuff was just it was just brewing brewing and brewing and brewing the only thing we needed was something to derail life (laughs) so that we can finally realize that we needed to do this and that's where the pandemic came along and that's when everything came to fruition yeah it's it's such a beautiful thing too and i I think that, you know, you have such a unique skill set and background to be able to lean into something like what you're doing. And you can tell that there's so much more behind your show than, you know, simply trying to go out and teach somebody about a specific species of turtle. Like there's a lot more that goes into it and you can tell like the 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 various influences are behind the scenes there and it is very cool when you have somebody that is like you're so talented on screen um and you're so engaging and that's a totally different skill set than understanding the science behind what you're talking through right and that's i think what makes it so unique that you're able to kind of piece those pieces together and uh you know kind of wear the various hats in the various moments to make it shine yeah thank you um you know, I, I just try to talk to people like I'm talking to you now. You know, I don't try to be a character like or I don't try to emulate, oh, emulate Jack Hanna or, or, or Steve Irwin or do like them and say stuff like crikey. And I'm like, no, man, that's that's not me. And then that's their thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. Their, that's what made <laughs> them them. What's me? I've been doing me, you know, since the 80s. So I nobody can do me better than me. So I just go out there and do me. Like, okay, this is a this and this is a this is a scorpion or this is a fish. Like this recent episode that aired just the other day, Wednesday, um, with the with the fish out in the mud and I mean that was a very emotional day. There was so many dead ones. They were dead, like they were stuck because I didn't get there in time. They were somewhere dried completely out. Uh, some were crushed by the tractor. Uh, some stuff we didn't even bother showing because it's like, okay, we're not showing that. That's just, uh, you know, people get the point. <laughs> they get the point. This is destruction here. Um, but we wanted to show a little bit of it because it is real and this is what happens. And it's unintentional. But it does happen. And if people can get a appreciation for a fish, you know, I'm sitting here trying to save a fish's life, a fish that's not even good for the environment. <laughs> but the carp is here. The carp is here and it lives in that creek. It's, it's here now. It's been here over 100 years. 
They brought it in the 1800s and introduced it and it just thrived here. But that's what it is. So it's in there. I'm not going to move it to a different river, but it lives there and it does have a right to live. And I didn't want it to die. So I was trying to at least put it in the deeper water because I hear there's some some ordinance or something that you're not supposed to throw carp back or something like that or move them to a different area because they destroy the 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 area so i just put them in the same spot i just put them in the deeper end and got them out of the mud and um but yeah i mean it 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 you know it breaks my heart when things are just getting mangled and killed and you know i i know that's that's life sometimes but that don't mean that you know, that don't mean I feel good about it. And if there's something that I could do to interfere, you know, without causing more chaos, then I will. And I did. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I, so living down on the island of St. Martin, uh, this is like, the, you know, I've, I've traveled a lot to the Caribbean growing up mm-hmm. um, and I've, I've had the opportunity to live in Costa Rica uh, back in 2010, which seems like forever ago. Uh, but I worked <laughs> at a wildlife refuge, uh, back then where I lived in the rainforest and I got to work with sea turtles and, wow. uh, it was a very magical experience, uh, for, for several months, but it's been a while since I had the opportunity to live on an ocean. And I will tell you, you know, going out and swimming in my bay mm-hmm. every day, uh, either take the snorkel or I just go out for a free swim and seeing all the animals that are out there, it, it just blows my mind. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm, I'm swimming, you know, I come across a barracuda or I'm out there and there's some stingray, mm-hmm. you know, a whole bunch of different fish, the occasional turtle, like when you're in their home and you're such a tiny like you feel so small when you're in the ocean, right? Yes, like you, you feel so vulnerable. You, you feel just like a, you know, you, you, you always turn around to make sure a shark's not going to attack you, even though the chances of that are like slim to none. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get the heebie-jeebies. And the reason why you get that is because you're in nature. You're out there in a place that humans are not designed to be. Right. Right. And when you have those experiences, I feel like that's one example of just elevating that relationship and respect for nature. Right. It's that immersion. And that's like a very like adult version of it going and swimming across the bay. Mm -hmm. But I think of my kids and the exposure that they get and just how important it is to not sever those ties. And as we grow up to try to just keep that connected, because without that connection, then you lose that advocacy. Right. So that's Mm -hmm. that fish that you were talking about from your last episode. Like you, you still, you know, yes, invasive species and understand the science behind it and implications, but there's so much importance behind that compassion and that connection to that, that individual fish that I think, you know, resonates well beyond that, that one fish, right? Yes. You know, a a lot of us human beings, you know, we've, um, because the book says that we have dominion over, over the beasts and the creatures, you know, but a lot of that gets in people's head as almost, almost like a level of, well, I don't really respect it because I'm smarter than it, you know? So there's no reason to, I have dominion over that, that creature or that beast, 
Um, but the way I see that is that I'm connected with that, with that creature. Like this planet is here. We're all sharing it. We're all sharing it. That, that fish, that spider. Um, so if his life or his existence don't mean any damn thing to me, then that means I'm, I'm losing here. I'm losing because I don't see any value in nothing else's life that's not like mine. And um, so it's, you know, people aren't connected anymore. A lot of people just aren't connected. Like, oh, yeah, 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 that's a, you know, that's a bird. Who cares? You know what I mean? But I mean, that's a living, that's a living creature. Like, we're all animals. We're not, it's almost like people feel like we're some some divine presence on this planet when we're just, you know, hunks of bone, organs, and blood wrapped in skin. We're just like that elephant. We're just like that bird. We just have hair instead of feathers. Your life can end just as quickly as that bird or that ant. And the world is going to move on without you. Just like when you see something on the side of the road that got hit by a car and it's either bloated or vultures are eating it, that could easily be you. Like we're all like the, what I'm trying to say is that we're all just creatures here. And since we have the cognitive thinking and the, the uh, you know, the smarts that a lot of animals do not have, it's our job to take care of things and not just totally disrespect it and throw my trash in the wherever I want, you know, just, you know, just, I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, an Island of trash in the Pacific ocean. That's like, what was it like the size of Texas or something crazy like that? Trash. Yep. And that's us. That's us. And, like, you know, animals ain't going around leaving trash everywhere. When an animal takes a dump, there's another animal that eats that. You know? So it, it all just... Yep. But we, we've lost our way so much that we feel like we're above everything else, it seems. And that's why people can easily just go shoot something or kill it. You know, they don't even have to shoot it. Just kill it. Posing pictures with it as if it did. Detroit, yeah. And you're not even eating it. If you're eating it, that's one thing. Like if you shot a buck and like, mm, I'm going to make some jerky. <laughs> that's one thing. You just show, you know, well, today I shot a lion. A lion? You don't eat lion? And it's just some stuff is ridiculous. But that's what happens when um, people lose respect for for life. Now, if you ate that lion, that's one thing. Well, I, I ain't gonna argue that one. But if you just shot something just to, or kill something just to kill it, it's just damn. You know that's cold. But if a human being reacts that way, kills someone just to do it, this person gets incarcerated, or this person gets the death penalty. <laughs> So you kill him, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And I think we've gotten so disconnected from the world and we're so ungrounded 
you know, so nature, pe- people are shocked at the things I show them. Like the episode with the puddles, what you can find in a puddle. Yep. A whole culture of, of brine shrimp and water fleas and beetles, tadpoles. There's so much stuff that are, that's There's living. a lot of life in there. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. and these things have lived hundreds of years. Like those eggs or those little water fleas, they can, they can survive just about anything. I mean, there's, there's, there's probably eggs out there that are just waiting to hatch. That's probably been here since like Jesus walked the earth. They're just, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're just waiting on that moment to the right water gets in there and like, okay, I'm hatched. Let's do this Let's thing. Do we this, only got yeah. seven days. Yeah. Let me find a mate and <laughs> get down. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think you're exactly right. And you know, that, there's a lot of complexities behind things like hunting and, and diet and mm-hmm. all of those things. And, you know, I, I think of like Seaspiracy, which is a documentary that just came out on Netflix about the fishing industry. Mm. And uh, it mentions, of course, the, the plastics and like the discarded yeah. fishing nets in yeah. our oceans and bycatch, which is a, a nice a nice way of saying just killing all the other things, yeah. uh, all these innocent animals that are just trying to live out their lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of the doom and gloom and it's very real. Like it's absolutely real. But I think one of the challenges too, as an environmentalist is how do you stay above the fray? How do you not get burnt out? Mm-hmm. How do you not just kind of throw your hands up and, and give up because once you, once you pull the veil back, Mm -hmm. right. Once you have the knowledge that yes, like if I eat a hamburger, this is the environmental impact or, uh, yeah, there's no such thing as dolphin safe tuna or, (laughs) uh, you know, hunting, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Like once you have that knowledge, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Right. Are you just going to turn, turn away from it again and pretend like you, you never saw that pretend like it doesn't exist or are you going to actually take some action and change your life? And I think this also kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the conversation that like a lot of Americans are pretty well set in their ways. And, you know, there's no way that I'm going to convince like my parents to stop eating meat, for example, right? Like there are so many things and yeah. so many layers there, but mm-hmm. it's, it, it is mind boggling sometimes to think about knowledge doesn't equal action ever, no. <laughs> right? Like no, just because doesn't. you're aware of something doesn't mean you're going to change your behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, what I really like about your YouTube show though, is that you do such an amazing job of pulling that veil back in a way that that isn't like blaming the viewer, right? You're not yelling at them saying, you know, you messed up, like you need to change this. You're doing it in a way that is so incredibly engaging and, uh, you know, you're, you're fostering opportunities for exploration, Right. right? And you're opening up conversations rather than shutting them down. And I think we just need, we need a lot more of that these days mm-hmm. because I, I think the conversations get shut down so fast. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because um, uh, one of the main reasons why I don't try to point my finger at the viewer is because uh, at one point in my life, that was me. As much as I love nature and wildlife, I was ignorant. 
I was ignorant to a lot of things, you know? Um, now I wasn't, I mean, I had a different level of ignorance, but you know, I, I was still ignorant. So I can't sit there and, and point my finger at someone else. And it's like, okay, well, this person had a totally different, um, upbringing than me. Yeah. And I, I think that goes to like, you know, you're like leading with empathy and compassion, right? And, mm-hmm. and what we've talked about before and like, you know, you've, you've now traveled all over the world and you have, you have a lens that you can come back and, and share with mm-hmm. other people. Right. And I think, you know, whether it's just going to Dallas for the first time or yes. whether you're, you know, in the middle of, you know, Italy somewhere, like those lessons are everywhere. Right. And it's, it's being open and aware to soak that in. Yeah. You have to be open to it and don't always shut down conversation just because you disagree with the person's view. You got to hear their side at least. So you could try to put yourself in their, in their shoes. Like, Oh, okay. That's why you hate this. Well, what if I showed you otherwise? Yep. You think you could at least accept it? You know, I mean, there's some things you just got to accept. And uh, that's why I like showing people nature and especially snakes and things people are afraid of. And like, yeah, they will bite you. They do bite. They can hurt you real bad. But but they have a job to do. And they're only biting you because you either scared them or you wouldn't leave them alone. And that's it. They're just defensive. That's all. They, n- nobody has ever been chased down, bitten and killed by a snake. Yeah, that's not really their mo. They 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 chill, no. man. <laughs> right now, now a grizzly. That's a totally different story. <laughs> Some people have been hunted down. True. By grizzlies you're, and killed. You're and pretty eaten. far out there at that point. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's yeah, probably so. also some other human error in those stories as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, but it can happen. So my my last question that I want to ask you before we wrap is, you know, thinking of both your kind of life as an artist um, and then mm-hmm. obviously growing into the the nature show, which is a different form of art. What advice would you have for folks that are, are interested in either, you know, leaning into uh, the artist within or mm-hmm. thinking about traveling abroad and kind of getting out of their bubble? What would you say to them right now? Uh, do it, especially the traveling travel first off go uh, for starters go to another city if you live in san antonio go to austin you know (laughs) go 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 to another place first before you start traveling abroad and just so you could get like okay this is a different place all right i got it I, i you know i think i got the hang of this go experience something and with art um get out there and do it the same thing if you want to draw something or you want to go to a comic con and you know test your might and try to sell your stuff go ahead go do it i mean it's an open market you just get a table and go do it um and but make sure you have thick skin because people are going to come at you they're going to come at you hard too especially with art um 
very critical. So <laughs> you got to be able to take it and let it roll off. But yeah, get out there and do it. Get out there and do it because every, I don't mean to sound morbid, but every day that goes by, that's one, you know, that's one day less. That's one day closer to the end. You know, the beginning happened years ago. So you're losing precious time. That's what I'm saying. We're all in line. You don't know who's in front of you and you don't know who's behind you. We're all going to die someday. We're standing in just one long line at heaven's gate, you know, and you don't know who's in front of you and you don't know who's behind you. So you need to start living. Stop. Well, I think I'm going to wait. No, start planning it now. Start planning. I, I, I'm just I just want to go see something. Once this pandemic is done, you got your vaccine or or whatever makes you feel comfortable, you know, go go experience something. And do it with an open mind and be as as cautious and safe as you can. Because you're going to look back and say, man, I'm so glad I went to this place. I'm glad I went to Mexico, South America. I'm glad I did that. You know, you had your one chance to do it, especially if you're young. Because you don't have all the, you know, all the stuff that goes with being an an adult yet. (laughs) But get out there and just... And just live it because we're all on, you know, we're all on borrowed time, man. And one day that that timer's going to ding, you're up. And that's the end. I love it. I love it. Spoken like a, a true sage. That's that's great advice. <laughs> uh, people are, are pumped right now, I'm sure. I can sense it. Um, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, uh, I will link your Instagram and your Facebook accounts, as as well as your YouTube channel, uh, along with the yes. It's Nature Y'all uh, backslash, just so everyone can jump into your great work. And for folks listening, definitely give AJ a follow on social. You will not be disappointed. He's got a lot of really cool things that he's putting out there. So make sure you follow this guy. Thank you. And thanks so much for joining, AJ. It's been a pleasure to chat with you today. I'm really looking forward to getting this one out there. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that we made it happen. It's been like, it it feels like this has been a production. Well, we did it. And uh... (laughs) yeah, I feel good. Absolutely. All right, everybody. That was my conversation with AJ Moore. I really hope you enjoyed it. I personally really liked hearing his various stories of going from country to country, selling his artwork. And uh, you can tell his very genuine connection to the people that he meets when he gives his fans a shout out in the conversation. And you could sense that he really does feel connected to folks uh, across many different cultures and, and countries. And the beautiful part about that is it is all through his artwork and the derivatives. So definitely something to take in there. And I hope everybody listening, uh, you know, thinks about what their next step is, whether it's traveling or whether it's stepping into something like art as your next adventure. And as you pursue that journey yourself, I hope that you do connect to AJ both on Instagram, follow his uh, nature show. It's Nature Y'all on YouTube. I will link that in the notes and, you know, reach out to AJ. He's a super open guy and he's always down to connect and talk. And 
uh, you know, listen to your, your story and offer a little bit more of his. So thank you again for jumping in to this episode of Techawat with Benjamin Morse, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.